I'm glad to be here. How about you guys? Are you ready for God's word? Uh, glad to be here. Not so ready for his word. Let's do that again. Are you ready for God's word? Amen. You know, God's word is life giving and uh, we're going to get into it. But before that, I do want to thank brother Jamie Savannah and his wife, Marlo. Let's come on, give them better. Give them better than that. They deserve it. Last week, Brother Jamie spoke in my absence, and he brought an awesome word of God. It was a blessing, and even so, got some texts while I was on the beach the next Monday, talking, talking noise, you know, about my job's not secure, uh, you better watch out, you, you, you know, and uh, you know what I said? The devil is a liar. God put me here. No, I'm just kidding. That, that's how pride starts. Jamie, I'm very blessed to have you as a part of our congregation. We are very blessed. And we love you. And the reason it's so, it's a proud moment for us as a church is because Jamie's been here from the beginning. He goes back to the school days. And uh, we have a few men that are, that are, God is growing up, and not just men, but, but ladies too, that God is growing up as as preachers of his word, you know, proclaiming his word with power and truth. Jamie's one of them. Brady's another. He goes back to the school days. And uh, my wife, my daughter, Christy, I mean, it goes on and on. God is doing a good, good job here. Amen. So thank you, Jamie. Listen, I've, we're starting a new series today entitled Vantage. Vantage. Now, you might say, what is vantage? Well, according to the dictionary, vantage is a position giving a strategic advantage, commanding perspective, or comprehensive view. Can I put it in short terms, a better perspective? A better perspective. A better perspective than what? A better perspective than the next guy. Let's, let's, let's put, it at, put it at that. How many of us know that we all have our own perspective? If something were to transpire and we ask different people, they would have different accounts because they're drawing from their particular vantage point. They're drawing from their angle. They're drawing from, well, I was behind the scene. I was in front of the scene. I was beside the scene. I have some background on what happened in the scene. I have foreground of what was happening in the scene. I, I talked to the person afterward. I talked to the person before. I have unique uh, experience in this kind of matter. And they, there's so many factors that can play a part in how we perceive something and what we see. But the one thing I've noticed is that we all tend to judge relatively selfishly. What do I mean by that? We, we all have have a problem with selfishness. To be human is to be selfish. And I'm learning that the older I get, the more I set in my ways I am. Matter of fact, we went to the beach and we had friends join us there. Or, or, and, uh, and, and as we were there, I, I started realizing um, that I'm not as easygoing as I used to be. What do I mean by that? I mean, the older I get, the more I want to do what I want to do. Anyone, anyone in that position? 
where, where you're like, well, I want to eat where? I want to eat, don't y'all? You know, it, it, that's, the, that's the thing, you know. Uh, I, I want to go where I want to go. I want to do it on my time. I want to, you know, and, and my kids are kind of like, man, dad, you, you're just getting set in your ways. They're trying to put it nicely. You go, you're getting old and cranky. And, you know, you're no fun to be around. You know, and they even uh, brought up Mr. George. They said, when Mr. George goes with you, you know, he's really accommodating. I said, oh, man. Next time I'm sending you with Mr. George. (laughs) The point is, uh, we all get set in our ways. And uh, it's not good to get set in your ways when it comes to God. Because there is a vantage point that is superior. There is a superior perspective, and that's his perspective. And I'm reminded of a verse in, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. The, the wise sage makes it very, very clear. Many are the plans in a man's heart. Many are the plans in a person's heart, in an individual's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. You know what? We can have your, you can have your plans, you can have your desires, you can have your opinions, you can have your feelings. It doesn't matter. God's purpose will ultimately be what matters. And so this is hard to get because we tend to think we're right. And we tend to do things, you know, how many of you ever see a sign that says, don't walk on the grass, and and you just feel like you got to walk on the grass? How many of you ever seen a sign at an aquarium, and it says, please don't tap on the glass, but you just feel inclined to tap on the glass because, you know, that sign's for everybody else. Please don't feed the fish, but, oh, that's because it's meant for me to feed them right? Not, that's everybody else don't feed the fish. That's everyone else don't tap on the glass. That's everyone else not, don't, don't walk on the grass. But for me, I'm different. And so we, we have to be careful with this because sometimes we get this little selfish streak and, and, and it, can, it can hurt us. Watch this video real quick. The sign said, don't tap on the glass. Now, some of you are going, was that real? It's real as a heart attack. No, I'm just kidding. What you don't know is that that is animation. But, but this is what I want to get. I, I want you to understand that sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. Sometimes we think that our vantage point is superior, that you know what, Lord, I've got it from here. I, I know what I'm doing. I, my, my eyes cannot be tricked. But can I tell you something? The enemy has been prowling around like a roaring lion, tricking people for thousands of years. Yeah, pastor, that was them. They hadn't met somebody like me. I got this. That's what we tend to think. And the truth is, you could have been fooled too. No, I wouldn't have been fooled. I would have known that's computer generated. That's a digital image. I know a real aquarium from a digital image. Well, let's just see how how easy it is to trick the human brain. Watch this next video. 
We've set up hidden cameras on the boardwalk to try and pull a fast one on unsuspecting grown-up brains. Do you know where the subway is? We've invited two actors to join us and ask people here for directions. Excuse me, sir, do you know where the metro stop is? But when we switch out the person asking for directions... And then where do you go? How do you think these grown-up beach brains will react? Great, thank you. One, will they react at all? for directions. Sir, do you know where the metro stop is? I, what is it? The metro stop. I've been looking for it, and I can't find it. I'm, I'm not from around here. I'm, I keep looking for it everywhere I go. After one of our actors asks for directions, surfs up, we switch out the actor. Do you think our beachgoers will even notice? Uh, you see that guy in the red truck? Uh, yeah, you see I the do. Guys? Yeah. They'll direct you right away to the train station. Oh, they will. If it seems like these beachgoers don't see the change, it's, down down that way. it's because they don't. But if you think this game works because bearded guy one looks a bit like bearded guy two, let's try the switch with a not at all bearded woman. Can I ask you a question? Do you know I'm where the? Trying to make it simple. Trying to find the That's metro. The what? The metro. That's a newspaper. Is it? In yeah. England? It's a daily newspaper. Yeah. Did you notice that they switched? You didn't say anything. No. <laughs> wow. What's this all about? So, do you think you? What's this all about? You might be asking. Pastor, is there a spiritual message somewhere in this message? Hey, listen, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that sometimes your vantage point is not as good as you might think it is. Sometimes the way you perceive things and your abilities and, and your, your limited state limits you to being as effective as you might like to be. And that's why the Bible says, but you might say, but no, no, pastor, I would never fall for something like that. I don't fall for what's called brain change or, or change blindness or any of those things. See, this was something that's been studied uh, at a very high level by Dr. Simons from the University of Illinois. And he talks about change blindness, meaning that our brain is limited in the things that, they can, that it can perceive or all the details that it can gather. And if we gathered every bit of detail for every scenario in every situation in every circumstance, then we would literally overload our brains because there's too much going on. But can I tell you someone that's not overloaded? Can I tell you something that someone about someone that knows everything in every situation in every circumstance and he even knows the future? But yet we keep insisting that I got this. I got this. Uh, if you have it, I'm going to play one more video and then we'll get right to the heart of this message. I want you to see if you can, uh, if you can hang. Here we go. To test just how much attention the attention-stealing design of the new Skoda Fabia actually steals, we left one parked on this ordinary road in West London. 
We wanted to see if its sharp crystalline shapes, bold lines and lower, wider profile would attract the desired level of attention. Will the 17-inch black alloy wheels stop passers-by in their tracks? Will the angular headlights attract the attention of other road users? Will a crowd gather to check out its fresh, sporty look? Well, not quite. But did the attention-stealing design distract you from noticing that the entire street has been changing right before your very eyes? Don't believe us? Have another look. Did you spot the van changing to a taxi? How about the scooter changing to a pair of bicycles? Or the lady holding a pig? Let alone the fact that the entire street is now completely different. Didn't think so. Some of you are going, wow, I'm not so smart. <laughs> Listen, the thing is, we're not as gifted as we think we are. And some of us have been, have been blinded to the change even happening in our own lives to the point that we take God for granted just the way we, we are. Our lives have been improving. Our lives have been changing. Our lives have been growing. And yet we keep taking God for granted, thinking somehow that we're responsible for it. And if we really took a took time to look at what's happened over time, we'd see that God is smack dab in the middle of it and that it might be that we might have many plants in our heart, but it's his purpose that prevails. And I'm going to make one more point and then we'll, be, we'll get right into God's word. But there's a movie back in 2008 that was released called Vantage Point. Now I'm going to show you the poster right up here. And I love the poster because it gives you in this wheel, all these different characters. Now, they had a who's who uh, a list of characters. They had Dennis Quaid, Sigourney Weaver, Forrest Whitaker, William Hurt. You know, it, it, it goes on, Matthew Fox. And, and this is the way the movie plays out. In the first 11 to 12 minutes of the movie, you get the whole thing. Well, what is it, Pastor? It's a political action thriller, okay? And so it's about a terroristic assassination attempt on an American president. And in the first 11 minutes, you see the whole thing play out. And then they take another 12 minutes or so and they play it out again. And then they play it out again. And then they play it out again. But what's happening is each individual character is seeing it from their unique vantage point. And when you put it all together, you see the overarching vantage point. Can I tell you, this reminds me of the verse in Isaiah that says, read with me in the book of Isaiah chapter 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Mark that in your Bibles. Seek him while he may be found. You go, why are you up there? Because I want you to forever remember this verse. Listen to what it says. It says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Keep going. For my thoughts are not your thoughts 
Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What God is saying is, you have a very limited perspective on life. You can see only two inches in front of your nose. You can't see around the corner. You don't have the other side. You don't have the, the, the sight from behind. All you see is exactly what your narrow focus can get you, but I see the whole thing, and not only do I see the whole thing. I see your past. I see the people interacting with you. I see the future. I see what's best for you. I see your skills, your gifts, your unique purpose, and the way that I created you in ways that you don't even know. But yet you keep putting all this trust in you. Think about it with me for a second. God is saying my ways. I love what he said. Seek me while there's time. Go, go back to the very beginning of that verse. Listen to what he says. He says, he says, while there is still time, seek the Lord while he may be found, while he can be near. Listen, if you're going in the wrong direction, if you've been having problems with wickedness, if you've been living a sinful life, turn from your ways. Go to him. Ask him for forgiveness, and he'll forgive you like that. He is faithful and just to forgive those who ask, the Bible says in 1 John. He is faithful and just to forgive. All you need to do is ask. This is beautiful. He says, if you seek him, you will find him. Isn't that what Jesus says? If you seek, you will find. If you ask, you will be answered. If you knock, the door will be opened. But you have to make the effort. Some of us keep insisting, Lord, I got this. And he's looking from on high going, no, you don't have this. You so don't have it. Give me an opportunity. So, so we'll, we'll go back to this verse in Isaiah, but, but first, our perspective is, is affected by what? Our perspective is affected, I've, I've found, by three basic things. Ourselves, that means the view of, of how we perceive things, the way we look at ourselves. Those influences over what has shaped us in our experiences. You say, well, yeah, of course, Pastor, but, but, but let, me, let me put it to you in a, in a way that, that's very pertinent for this talk today. And that is some of us have a view of ourselves that's affecting our attitude towards life. And it may not always be a good view. It may be because those that were most influential in your upbringing maybe spoke negativity over you or told you what you weren't good at, or what you would never be good at, or who you are and who you're not, and what they thought, and what... And so you carry that. Some of us have, have this view of ourselves based on past failures in relationships, or in relationships, we were in a bad relationship where a person spoke a lot of negativity over us, or maybe it didn't have to be bad. Maybe you have a you have a great view of yourself because of your upbringing. But either way, we bring that, and, and nine times out of 10, when I talk to people, I realize that the more they get into themselves, the more mixed up they, they get. What do I mean by this? I mean, instead of trying to figure it out yourself, the best thing you can do is to get in God's word and let him tell you who you are. 
Because most of us, we start realizing, hey, I can't figure it out myself, so then we go to others. And we start asking others to help us with our vantage point. And did you know more, more Christians today are reading self-help books than the Bible? Most Christians go to the Amazon's bestseller list than they do to the all-times bestseller, and that's God's word. Most Christians are considering, well, how many likes do I get instead of how does God like how I'm living? Most Christians want to be followed on Facebook and on Twitter than to be following the King of Glory. And so we have to be careful with this because others are not always going to point us in the right direction. And then you have this idea of circumstance and situation. And the thing is, life is going to come at you and ups and downs are going to happen. And if you're not careful, listen to me very, very closely. If you're not careful, then, then these ups and downs can begin to shape the way you look at things. A wise person once told me that you cannot control what life gives you. In other words, 90-something percent of what life gives you is outside of your control. But you can control, listen to me, 99% of the way you what? Respond to it. Actually, no, you can, re- you can control 100% of the way you respond to it. And the way you respond is important. I always love my little Johnny stories because my little Johnny stories represent a little boy that just is audacious and believes in himself. And there's nothing you can do to shake him, whether you're a teacher that tries to shake him, whether you're an adult that tries to shake him, whether you're a pastor that tries to shake him, he won't even shake himself. He's so confident in who he is. And some of us need to get a new perspective and start walking around with a fresh new confidence. I'm going to talk to you more about that in a second. But first consider little Johnny. No one wanted to play baseball with him. They were all busy. He wanted to play baseball. And so once he called and asked all his friends, he decided, well, heck, if no one's there to play, I'll play by myself. Come on. How many of you have ever been to that place where you go, you know what? I can't buy a friend. I'm going to have to do it myself. Don't ever try to move an arm while that way. You can almost break a foot. And no, anyway. And so what, what happens is he shows up at the baseball field and he, he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. Uh, Hank Aaron has nothing on me. Babe Ruth, has no, Babe Ruth has nothing on me. He tosses the ball up in the air and he takes his biggest swing. He strike one. He's undaunted. He shakes it off. He's like, strike one. That's okay. He's, he's getting behind in the count, but I'm still the big, best hitter in the world. He throws the next pitch up, strike two. Now he's way behind in the count. Right? Now, anyone, any baseball players out there? You're kind of looking at me like, this is football season. Let's do a football analogy. You know, but he's way behind in the count. He says, no problem. Base is loaded. Here we go. Throws the next pitch up, strike three. You think he's going to be down? He starts jumping up in the air. He goes, what do I know? I'm also the best pitcher in the world. (laughs) Some of us need to have a little bit of of little Johnny's attitude towards life, a new perspective. You go, but pastor, how do I get that? How do I get it if I'm not supposed to get down on myself and rely too much on myself and what I think and others and what about the circumstance and the situation? Well, well let, me, let me share something with you very quickly. When I was, um, when, when I was first out of, out of college, I worked for a Fortune 100 company 
And as I worked for that company, I noticed that there was one particular young man. He was about 10 years older than me. So if I was 23, he was probably 33. And he was a top producer, like hands down. He was constantly at the, on the leaderboard, if not the top, getting all kinds of awards. And so rather than getting jealous and, and getting petty about it, like so many of the other guys in the office were getting, I decided to go to him and say, hey man, how, do you mind giving me a second? He said, yeah, sure. I said, what, if you could give me one piece of advice, what's the most important thing you know that leads to your success? Come on, that's a good question. Bam. And so he looks at me and he says, um, give me some time and I'll come get you when I'm ready. So he thought about it a day or so, I forget how long it was, but he comes and gets me and he says, this is what I've found is the key to success. That the race doesn't go to the fastest. The most successful person is not the smartest or the strongest or the richest or any of those things. The most successful person is the one who can do what they're called to do day in and day out consistently and not get knocked out by the emotional roller coaster. Kind of sounds like Solomon's advice. You know that? Solomon says that. The, the race doesn't go to the swift or... Doesn't he? And, and he says this, he says, because there's ups and downs in life and most people will, will get knocked out because they love being the hero. But, but the truth is you're not always going to be the hero. Sometimes you're going to be a zero. And when you're a zero, do you know how to walk it out? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for my king is with me. Do you know how to keep doing what you're called to do, even when things aren't going right, even when the situation doesn't look good, even when the circumstance would tell you it's bleak and it's over? Do you know how to, you go, okay, pastor then what's the key? Just stop playing around and give me the key. The key is read God's word. Read God's word. Do you know how few, I got one person clapping. I go read God's word in a church full of Christians. One guy. Let me tell you something about God's word. It's living. It's powerful. It's effective. It is, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. You go, yeah, but that's what the Bible says. Give me something else. That I, okay, you want to hear something else? I was reading, uh, and, and as much as I could understand it now, some, some theories on string theory. It's, it's theoretical physics. And one of these theoretical physicists was saying this. We have now discovered that, that on this string theory in the universe and all of this stuff and, and, and creation is held together by some sort of vibration, some kind of sound. And I was sharing this on a Wednesday night, and, and, and this is what he said. He said, so if I could put it plainly in plain English, we feel like human beings in life is like a, is like a, a song. That's what life is. It's a song. Can I tell you something? Science is just now catching up with God's word. In the book of Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, the Bible says, let's back it up to verse eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself that you may not boast, but it is a gift of God. And you are what? His masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Do you know that word masterpiece comes from the word 
poem, which literally means a song. You are a song of God. Do you know why the universe is called universe? Uni meaning what? One word. God spoke and you and everything else. So when you read God's word and you get an insatiable appetite, it will change the way you look, about, look at yourself. It will change the way you think about yourself. It will line you out. It will give you confidence. It will give you security. It will give you strength. It will give you power. It will give you a fresh new mind. Renew your mind. How? By the reading of God's word. Faith comes by hearing his word. You want faith? You want to walk in power? You want to have a new mindset? You want to get the junk out? Put enough of God's good in and the junk will flee. But the truth is, we don't read enough of God's word. The next one is pray. Start praying without ceasing. Have conversations with God day in, day out. Work it into your, work it into your lifestyle. I'm talking to some businessmen here. I'm talking to some businessmen that would say, I've tried other things. Try this thing. Try this. Go back to God's word with me in the book of Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than yours. Watch this. As rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. Watch this. So that it yields seed for the sower, for the farmer, and bread for the baker, or for us that eat. Watch this. Verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I need somebody in this house to start saying, I want that in my family. That's what I want in my family. I want God's word to be spoken and read in my household so that everything begins to change. My mindset, my heart, my relationship, our children's relationship with us, and now peace, and, and just like rain. Come on, how many of us need rain? I left for vacation and the sprinklers were off. How do you think it ca I came back? And I thought, really, father-in-law? I'm just saying, really, father-in-law? You couldn't see that everything was dying? <laughs> so this verse means a lot to me right now. Rain. Some of us need some spiritual rain. Listen, I want this, Lord. I want to be led forth in peace. I want to go out in joy. I want the mountains and the hills to burst into song before me. 
the trees of the field to clap with their hands instead of the thorn bushes. I want my house to grow cedars, junipers, pine trees, different versions use these different names. Instead of briar bushes and thorns and thistles, I want crepe myrtles. I want the blooming of a beautiful manicured yard. For an everlasting sign that God is with me. Hey, it starts with God's word and praying. Pray, pray, pray. Read his word, worship. We're going to cover more about this later. How many of us take time every day to worship the name of our God? Do you realize that I have, I've been gathering material from scientists that are doing all kinds of experiments on the, on the, uh, the benefits of Thanksgiving. Can I tell you something? God's word's been telling you that for generations. Paul says, in all circumstances, in all situations, at all times, give thanks, rejoice, give thanks, rejoice. But we need some guy from UCLA to tell us what God's word already said. I'm not trying to to get honorary. I'm just saying, come on. Worship. Pray. Read your word. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Listen to this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. What did Isaiah say? While while he may be found, seek him. While you may talk to him, there is a time coming when our, this is what Solomon says, there is no seeking in the grave. There is no talking to God in the grave. There is a time to seek him in faith and that time is now. What a perspective to say, I get this awesome life to live and I get to live it for his glory. I wanna invite you in, Lord. I want you to rule and reign. Like my dad used to say, in toda mi casa, Dios, have your way, God. Not just part of my home. You say, some of you are going, what does that mean? It means, he would say, in all of my house, Lord. That's a Hispanic thing, in all of my house. Usually a man says that to a woman. In all of my house, I want you to have. No, no, this is what you say to God. In every aspect of my life. You say, okay, but, but, but what is Jeremiah talking about? I need you to understand some things. Go with me real quickly because we got to hurry. I'm going to go through a timeline. Jeremiah was born in 650 BC. Two years after that, Josiah, the great prophesied king, was born. And he was born after one of the most wicked kings, if not the most wicked king. Josiah comes and he begins to reign at eight years old. Daniel is born. Sometime after that, Josiah repairs the temple five years after Daniel's birth. Now, Daniel is not known. He's just a little kid at this time. 
Ezekiel is also born during this time period. The Babylonians destroy Nineveh and become a superpower. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians. Stay with me on this. Then the Egyptians killed Josiah in battle. After Josiah's death, remember the Bible said, I will not have what? I will not have the kingdom fall during your lifetime, Josiah, because Josiah was, so, he was a man after God's heart like David. He was one of the best kings ever. But they will have to give an account based on all the sin that they've been doing. So this is what happens. After Josiah dies, you have 605, King Nebuchadnezzar captures Jerusalem. Now, I need you to stay with me on this. 604, Daniel is now in Babylon. Why? Because he was taken as some of the, some of the, um, the heirs of the prominent families. And they were good-looking, smart, and Nebuchadnezzar was going to raise them up as Babylonians. So then you have the first deportation, then you have the second deportation, the third, and it goes on and on and on all the way through the seventh deportation. Now, this is what I want you to know. Daniel is in Babylon, okay? And Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. Jeremiah, we, we view him as an awesome prophet and man of God. We always quote him. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Do you realize he was saying this against, he was actually labeled as a traitor. He was labeled also as a heretic and a false prophet. He was imprisoned. The only reason they couldn't continue to label him as a false prophet is because his prophecies kept coming true. But every other prophet in the land was telling Israel or telling God's people what they wanted to hear. We are going to defeat Babylon. Babylon will not rule over us long. The people that are in exile are the bad guys, so we got them out. God pruned us, and now he's going to cause the remnant to grow strong again. And he began to say all of these things. Now, this is what I need you to understand. Jeremiah is saying, no, God is actually using Babylon. And we will be there for 70 years until we learn what he wants us to learn so that we might be strong. Now, now watch this last story, and this is where we finish. Now we go to Babylon, and we hear the story between Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel the prophet. Nebuchadnezzar calls Daniel in and says, Daniel, I have learned that you are a man of God, and you are the chief of my magi, my, my magicians. Come in, because I had a horrible dream and I'm freaking out. This is the dream. There was a tall tree, it reached to the heavens, and it was so wide and vast that all the people and animals of the earth came and they were shaded and nourished by the fruit of the tree and the shade of the tree. But then a voice from heaven was heard, like a messenger said, cut down the tree, leave the stump and the roots, cut it down, put a chain around it, and drag it off into the field. He says, can you interpret the dream? Daniel just gets, he gets a little freaked out. Nebuchadnezzar says, no, 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 don't get freaked out. Tell me, tell me, I want to hear it. He goes, you're the tree. 
And this is what the Bible says. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declared the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign. Now watch this. I want you to mark these words so that the living may know. Nebuchadnezzar was about to be made an example of so that everyone who ever reads this story may know the purpose of life. Do you want to hear the purpose of life? Do you want to hear the vantage point we should have? So that you may know, watch this, this is it. The most high is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and he gives them to anyone he wishes and he seats over them the lowest of people. He does what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, where he wants, with who he wants. God is in charge. God is in charge. Listen to this. He says, heaven rules. Heaven rules. So this is the interpretation that Daniel gives him. Your majesty, this is the decree of the most high that he has issued against you. You will be driven away from your people. You will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with dew because you're going to stay out all night under the heaven. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge what? Say it with me. That the most high is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and he gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree and its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Come on now, say it with me. Heaven rules. Watch this. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sin. Turn from your ways. Stop living like you rule. Like you're the only one that matters. Get a different perspective. Verse 29, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my might and power and for the glory of my Come on, how many of you are going? Dude, don't, don't say it. Don't say it. Did you not hear what the angel of the Lord said to you? Watch what the Bible says. Even as the words were still on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from your people and you will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and he gives them to anyone he wishes. Come on, say that with me. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, I would never do that. Of course you wouldn't. You don't have a palace. <laughs> you don't have a palace and you don't have a kingdom. But we do it in small ways, don't we? Where we think in terms of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And we make our plans. And what does the Bible say in the book of James? No one should talk about their life like they have full reign over it. For we don't know if we're 
called home tomorrow or if God will give us tomorrow. But instead we should say, Lord, you are the most high. You are sovereign over the kingdoms of men and that includes my life. And you do what you wish with it, God. What you wish with it. So watch this. Immediately this happened to him. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from his people and he ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails were like the claws of a bird. He was out there for seven years in the, in the wild. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and with the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? No one can say this. Let's just drop down to verse 37. He was completely restored. Verse 36 says this. Now, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the glory of the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So this is my invitation. With every head bowed and every eye closed. How many of us can say, Lord, I've been trusting in my own strength, in my own perspective, in my own eyes for too long. I didn't see it as pride, but now I see it's pride. Lord, maybe I haven't been walking in pride, but I've still been declaring things over myself that you have not said. And so I've been thinking of myself too low and unimportant, and yet you tell me something entirely different in your word. Either way, Lord, I need to repent of this and I need to ask you to rule and reign because you are the most high and you were sovereign over my life and you do what you wish and how you wish for as long as you wish. And God, I'm just grateful that I get this thing you call life and I will live it as a steward for your glory. If we can pray together and that's your heart, I just want you to raise your hand. Let's pray. Wow. I see hands going up all over this place. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. I admit how limited I am in my, in my perspective, in my ability to truly understand and grasp all that is happening. But I know, Lord, that you are limitless. And right here, right now, I just confess to you, I need you, God. 
come and rule and reign, God. Lord, even as Nebuchadnezzar turned his eyes towards heaven, I turn my eyes towards heaven and I say, who who am I to ask, what are you doing or why are you doing it? But instead, Lord, I live for your glory. In this moment, God, I declare I live for your glory, for your purpose. Have your way in me. And Lord, bring what no, mon- no money no, and, and no amount of influence and, and no one else can give me. Give me peace and joy in all the things that you have declared for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Foundation. Have a great, great week. Let's